Good afternoon, everyone. You are listening to Colombo and Katie on 1019-941 News Talk. STL. I am Katie Fitzpatrick. I am your host this afternoon. The part the Colombo part, the 50% part of the show, Tony Colombo is not here with me today. We are usually doing this show together. If you are a first-time listener, welcome. Usually it's Tony Colombo and Katie Fitzpatrick. Today it's just me. Tony is out with his family watching his incredible daughter, Maggie, have a gymnastics meet. He will be calling in later in the show to give us an update about how that went, but his daughter is a wonderful, incredible gymnast, so he is spending the day with his family. Tony, if you're listening, we love you, and we'll talk to you at 325 today. We have a great show for you this afternoon. Thank you so much for being with me and for seeing what happens, because sometimes when you fly solo, you just don't know what you have in store for yourself. If you want to watch the show, I beg you, go ahead and comment on one of our streaming platforms. We have Facebook, Twitter, Rumble, all of those places we stream on, as well as Instagram. If you like that social media platform, you can listen to us on our app. Take us wherever you go, or you can dial us in at 1019 or 941 or listen at NewstalkSTL.com. I think I covered all of my bases. Jeff, Joe, if you're listening, I think I covered everything I need to. Again, my name is Katie Fitzpatrick. We have a great show. We're going to talk to our friend Gabe Pfeiffer. He is the co-host of Mike Ferguson in the Morning. In just one moment, I want to get his thoughts on some things happening in the news today, particularly migrant crisis. I heard a fascinating story by one of the local news outlets about how you need to race basically to get to the airport so that your seat isn't taken by an illegal migrant coming to the United States. We're also going to speak with Steve Templeton because out of all things that is important on Fridays, the number one most important thing is that weekend weather update. And I think I just heard from Maddie Chambers that it's going to be a beautiful one. So Steve Templeton will be with us at 2.45. And then I have a dear friend of the Tim Jones and Chris Arb show and of mine, Zach Smith. He is a legal fellow at the Heritage Foundation. He's going to be on with me at 3.05. I wanted to talk to Zach today about some things that's happening with Trump. Are they a big concern for the voters? Is he going to get himself out of some of these legal issues? Will there be appeals? How much money does he owe? Just some legal questions that I have about Trump and how that's going to affect this year and what's going to happen to him, if anything at all. So 305, make sure you listen to Zach Smith, legal fellow from the Heritage Foundation. As I said before, my dear friend, Gabe Pfeiffer on the phone with us, co-host of Mike Ferguson in the morning. Gabe, thank you so much for joining me. Good morning. You know what time it is. Oh, oh good I morning good or afternoon? Morning. Look, look, Rewind. Look where I am. <laughs> Rewind. Can good I, afternoon. Can I um, tell everybody the little I, secret? Can I tell everybody what we just yeah. talked about? Okay. So yeah. <laughs> this is just a small tidbit that has happened to all of us, but our friend Gabe Pfeiffer had food poisoning that happened last night. So, yes. Gabe, I'm sorry. And it's okay that you said good morning because I'm sure you're a little bit delusional right now. It, it, it feels it feels like morning because I, I just woke up from like a three hour nap because yes. I got like zero sleep last night. So I'm I'm feeling refreshed and like it's a new day. So I guess I just wanted to share that feeling with everybody else. I told Gabe on the phone that, you know, to me, there is nos- nothing worse than food poisoning. My husband had food poisoning in Mexico. We went three years ago. He got a raw steak. That is the only thing he wanted out of this entire trip for Mexico. We saw billboards 
on the entire airport was filled with billboards about steaks and then we get to Mexico and they were like flaunting how great at this specific resort we went to Gabe how great their steaks Mm -hmm. were he got the raw steak and literally the next morning had food poisoning and spent two days in the hotel room (laughs) so I my my thoughts oh my and prayers God. are with you, Gabe, and I'm happy you're over the hump. <laughs> Seriously. Yes, yes. I, I I've gotten over the worst of it, so now it's just uh, 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 all hopefully downhill into the weekend. I'm looking forward to it. Yes, sir. So. I want to talk to you about something specific, and I'm sure you guys have touched on it throughout the week and probably throughout this year about the migrant crisis that's happening. Have you heard of that happening, Gabe? A migrant crisis uh, yeah, that's I'm, going I'm on. Vague, I'm vaguely. Vaguely aware of you know people crossing the border. I don't know, possibly thousands you know, the upon thousands population <laughs> of of the entire state of Missouri crossing the border in, within the uh, the the term of of Joe Biden. And that's possible. That's it possible. could have been happening. Well, this is yeah. a this is an interesting point of view because. Not only are we evaluating the thousands upon thousands of people that are crossing illegally every single day, but now we're he- we're hearing from these sanctuary cities, not from the leaders in particular, but from the people that are residing in these sanctuary cities that are supposed to be safe havens for illegal immigrants. Some people in Chicago are really pissed off. I'm telling you, Gabe, and I have the story in front of me that I want to read to you and get your reaction. Chicago residents ripped city officials on Wednesday over the migrant crisis, according to Fox News. Local and state officials have approved hundreds of millions of dollars to aid more than 35,000 migrants who are transported to the Windy City, Fox News reported. Residents spoke out against the influx during a city council meeting. They say this. All this asylum-seeking lie, all this about refugees, no, no, no. What's happening is they're emptying out the dredgers of their jails into the United States and to our communities. They're junking up our country, and yeah, we feel some kind of way about it because it's our country. We're going to get them out of our communities because they don't deserve to be there. If This this is the uh, continued quote. If the crisis is so bad, the city council members who are connected should donate their salaries to cause to the cause like this and get a uh, like a real public servant should. So this is the complaints happening. And I actually saw some clips from some of these residents in Chicago at their capital talking about what's going on in the Windy, Windy City. My question to you, I Gabe, just want to back up for. Yes, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, I can I just jump in because I just want to back up and, and, and relate something sure. because it, it just occurred to me. One of the things that this this guy said, he's just kind of random citizen. He's just dealing with the on the ground situation of the, uh, the 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 illegal alien crisis. And if know what he said, he said they're emptying out their jails and sending the worst people here, basically. Yes, that, that's that's that was his quote. Remember how much flack Donald Trump got for saying the exact same thing, Gabe? Remember, Absolutely. Remember that quote? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was like, they're not sending their best. They're sending the, uh, you know, the, the uh, thieves and rapists and all these things, and they're ruining our communities. That's what Donald Trump said was, was happening and was going to happen. And look, a citizen who's experiencing the thing in real life, his, as the left would say, his lived experience is exactly what Donald Trump said. So, so uh, okay, so let's, <laughs> let's be real here. This, 
this is we saw this coming. Yes. We saw it coming, and all all of the Democrats who were who were talking about how uh, you you know you're just not being compassionate, and you're you're just uh, you're just a racist, you're some sort of xenophobe, and all these other accusations that were thrown at people who were sounding the alarm about this. Um, they should be held to task for their rhetoric, but I'm not sure. At least electorally, they're going to be. I agree. I don't know. I don't know necessarily, yes, if electorally they're going to be challenged in this way. But what's interesting is, and and very sad, as you pointed out, Trump did see this forecast. And I think a lot of Republicans before Trump, I mean, this has been an issue that Republicans and conservatives have always talked about. How open is the border? How dangerous is the border? How many illegal immigrants are crossing at one point? And you know, Obama didn't take care of it, but he did put a fence and he understood what I mean, not to the full degree of what it actually is. But I think he had a small nugget of information that allowed him to create that fence. Then Trump went the next step and said, let's create the border wall, which I think this is where all of that negative energy, because people didn't understand what Trump meant. I, I uh, and may, let me back up to Gabe. I know when people say like you didn't understand what Trump meant, like that usually means that you're like a big, big Trumper. <laughs> I am not trying to make up for everything that Trump has said, nor am I trying to decipher right, yes. everything that Trump has said. Right, right. But with this, yes. uh, with the attitude that he brought in his 2015 to th- 2016 campaign, and he being the only person that advocated to build a wall. People put that in a very negative light, use that as a very negative racist connotation, when actually that is something that's been a necessity that we need to be doing far, far before Trump became the president, far before Trump started campaigning. But when we look at what he said about why we needed the wall, as you pointed out, they're bringing in their rapists, they're bringing in, you know, their crooks, people from jail, they're not bringing their best and brightest, they're bringing in the cartel. That forecast with Trump that he saw, it it meant something, but I don't think, Gabe, and maybe you have a difference of opinion in this, I don't think it means something as much as these people in Chicago or the as much as these people in New York that the weight of what Trump said doesn't mean as much as someone that is having as you said this lived experience now where they're like can't walk out of my house without getting beat up or robbed Mm -hmm. Um, all of my money is going to these migrant shelters that are at maximum capacity and now they're asking for more money We have nowhere to Mm -hmm. go. We have nowhere to put them. So, Gabe, to that point, I think the outrage of these people in Chicago and the outrage of the people in New York, that's what might move the needle. I would certainly hope so. I, if nothing else, um, you know, there, there are certain places I think that are kind of foregone in the upcoming election, uh, you know, places like, uh, New York and, and California, but there are places in, you know, Pennsylvania and Arizona and, and, uh, and Michigan, some of these places where, yeah. you know, th- it, these might be purple states, these might be swing states in the next election where that message will resonate in a way that it hasn't before. And I think if th- there are so every time I see a a report about the reality of democratic governance uh, all over the country, I keep thinking they better be making an ad about this. They better be clipping, you know, that quote, you know, whoever that guy was, I'm sure that that uh, uh, quote was taken from, uh, you know, maybe video or testimony. Yes, there's video of it. Mm -hmm. 
city council meeting. They need to clip that and put it in a montage of all the terrible things that are, are resulting from the border crisis and have that as a as a commercial, a campaign commercial. And for, I, I, my problem is I'm not very confident in the Republican establishment of doing the types of communications job that they really need to do to drive home the point that, that this is this is how things have been going. We told you, we warned you, but there's a way out. Please, please vote for uh, not that guy. Ooh, didn't you nail it, Gabe? Because yes, I believe these voices are so critical and so important, but the the more important part is the messaging and how people utilize and use this as a tool to say look at what's actually happening listen to the voices of the people living in these sanctuary cities and see what they have to say because they can say things all day long but but if the messaging isn't correct and if a tree falls in the forest and nobody hears yeah. it, did it fall? I mean, yep. if, if they don't have, if, if the Republicans don't, if they fumble and they fall over their own feet and don't realize that they can use this, not as a weapon, but as a, as a place to, to help these people get this message out and say, look, this is what, this is part of your choice in 2024. You can either choose Biden and have a situation like this and you could be the next sanctuary city and you could be the next residents raising your voice in this kind of way and having this kind of issue or you could vote Republican or you could vote conservative and have that kind of leadership that you wouldn't have to worry about leaving your household and getting beaten up or leaving your household and paying more money for these shelters. I mean, it's not that Republicans aren't giving people. It's just that this has become just like everything from the left. It has gone too far. It has gone too far. Yeah, yeah absolutely. We we've we've gotten to the point now where our asylum system is a is being used as essentially a Trojan horse, not just for uh, the dregs of, of society to kind of come in here. I you know you keep you keep noticing all of these these single men from various countries around the right. world. But I think our enemies, uh, if if they're not exploiting our system right now, they're dumb. Because if if I was an enemy of America, I would absolutely be exploiting the southern border as a means by which to to gain access to uh, American infrastructure, American information, and and place people uh, around the country to do nefarious things if need be. Golly, Gabe. I hate to be this way, but it is a scary world that we're living in. And I really hope people do start to wake up to some of the things that they're really going to have to be voting on and noticing specifically in 2024. Beyond that, also, of course, in local and state elections. But this is critical. This is one of those things, Gabe, that the president does does get to make a decision and it does alter and change the way we move forward in this country. So I hope people are awake and I hope that they're listening to the citizens of Chicago saying they don't want to be a sanctuary city and enough is enough already. I do, Gabe, when we get back, want to talk to you about Trump fatigue. I want to talk to you about how Democrats feel when it comes to another Trump election right around the corner. And if you can stick around with me, Gabe, I'd love to have that conversation. Is that okay? Absolutely. Beautiful. I'll go ahead and put you on hold. Thank you guys for listening to Columbo and Katie. We'll be right back with Gabe Pfeiffer on 1019 News Talk STL. You got something to For podcasts, articles, and more, find us on NewstalkSTL.com. STL.com. 
maybe it's Friday. Number one for live and local conservative talk. News Talk STL. Welcome back to Colombo and Katie on 101.994.1 News Talk STL. If I if you didn't hear me before, I'm going to say it again. You can stream News Talk STL. You can download our app. It's super easy. You can go to the Apple Store. You can go to Google Play Store. Find our app there, News Talk STL, and listen to us wherever you go. You could stream us at NewstalkSTL.com, or you can say hi to me on the streams right now. We are on camera. You can see the studio. You can see me if you want to. I don't know if that's your thing, but go ahead and say hi on Facebook, Twitter, Rumble, any of your social media platforms. Watch us on the stream. Tell us how you're listening. What do you guys want to hear from us next or possibly next week? Maybe that there's a topic of conversation we weren't able to hit on this week. Let us know what you want us to talk about, and we could probably hit on that next week. I am joined on the phone by Gabe Pfeiffer. He is the co-host of Mike Ferguson in the Morning. Gabe, thank you so much for sticking around with me this Friday. I appreciate you. Great to be with you. Awesome, awesome. So before we left um, and went on to break, I was talking to you a little bit about Trump fatigue. This is something I hit on with Tony earlier this week. By the way, Tony, the other half of Columbo and Katie is out today, so that is why I'm hosting by myself. And I talked about how Trump fatigue became so real at the end of his presidency. Again, I don't mean that in I don't mean that really in a super bad way towards Trump. I just think the combination Gabe of Trump literally being everywhere all of the time, the media being obsessed obsessed the left being obsessed the MAGA people being obsessed. It was just this ball of Trump that was fine, I think, the first two years, and then slowly, maybe the third and the the three and a half years in, people kind of had that Trump fatigue going on, which I believe was a motivator in some ways for people to get out and vote in 2020. Well, Gabe, I have a report here from the Daily Caller talking about the outrage that once fueled Democrat voters is slowly fading away as another Trump election looms. It says this, liberal voters are expressing a sense of fatigue in their ongoing resistance against Donald Trump. Can you can you believe that those words are even being spoken? <laughs> the New York Times, the resistance. The, resistance, the New York Times reported this. So basically, they're saying people are sick and tired of being sick and tired of Donald Trump, specifically the liberals. Fury propelled voters to cast ballots against Trump in 2020 and the presidential election and Republicans in the 2022 midterm elections, according to the Democrats in the New York Times when they spoke to them. However, this um, admiration has diminished diminished, excuse me, since then as the effort required to maintain this kind of outrage has become draining to these types of voters. Some folks are burned out on the outrage, the New York Times says. People are tired. I think the last election, we were desperate to get Trump out of office, and folks were willing to rally around that singular call to action, and this election feels different. Trump, I I wanted to talk to you, Gabe. Do you believe that that is true for liberals about Trump? Do you think that they are experiencing... um, Trump fatigue in some way. 
Well, it's certainly an interesting concept because, uh, I mean, just just even being in, in radio, being in media, um, you, you have to kind of keep your finger on the, on the pulse of, of the people. Like, okay, what, what are they feeling? What are they doing? Because, you know, you have to be able to respond to them. And one of the things that, uh, you know, I've noticed is that what tends to happen when you want to keep people at, you know, turned up to 11 in outrage over any one thing, eventually they get tired. They're just like, okay, um, yeah, we've been talking about this and I'm really mad about it. But, you know, at, at this point, I'm just going to turn this off. I'm going to turn it to something else because I need to relax. My gosh, uh, you know, I've, I've been tensed for for, uh, you know, a week and a half about this thing. Let's move on. And 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 I think that that's happening, I think, on the Democrat with the Democratic Party, with uh, the liberals in general, uh, with Trump, because they've been they've been ginned up against this guy for years. Yeah. So every time they hear him, they get triggered. And, you know, every, every time they see a tweet quote, they get, they get uh, riled up and, um, the, all of them, all of the media everywhere they go, all the media that they listen to anyway, is geared towards, uh, trying to, you know, make out whatever Trump has said recently into the worst thing in the world. It's going to lead us into world war three and, and cause economic collapse, even though that's what's happened under Joe Biden. But, um, what, what, what eventually happens is, you know, it's almost like a horseshoe theory of politics, right? You start with uh, people who are ignorant and then you, you, uh, you get them properly riled up, you know, that, you know, they get them knowledgeable and you get them uh, motivated and activated because of that knowledge. And now it's coming back around to, you know what, I'd rather not know. And they're, they're going to choose the ignorance because ignorance is bliss, right? So um, I, I think maybe basically the, the liberals have been, been, you know, tapped out on the energy that they need to, to, to do this. I don't know what that means electorally, though. Um, it's yeah. one thing for them to be checked out, let's say, on the various media outlets. Maybe they're, they're not tuning into MSNBC railing against Trump anymore, but they're still going to make it out to the polls in November. And, or, or at the very least, somebody's going to come by and collect their ballot and send it in, mail it in in the big bundle. You know, it's this is an interesting concept because if you think about it now, Gabe, we have suffered through people having Trump derangement syndrome for almost 10 years, almost oh God, 10 yeah. years. 2015 is whenever I first heard of people crying on the streets and losing their marbles because Trump said he was going to run to be the president. And look. I myself remember I was back in college. I heard that Donald Trump was going to be running to be president. I made a Facebook status saying, are you freaking kidding me? This has got to be the biggest (laughs) joke in the world. I was one of those people. I could not believe that Trump was running to be president. Then he became our president. And it took me a year not to accept that because I was not that kind of person. I knew he was our president. But it was a year of trying to figure out, is he going to be a good president or a bad president? Like, what is Trump actually about? Now, I think what has also played into this lack of outrage, this unmotivated voter, someone that has, you know, is exhausted basically from hating Trump so much, is that there would be a different type of motivation if Joe Biden was doing well. If he, if Joe Biden was yeah. doing well and he was a successful president and he kept winning, they would have a reason to say CCC. Look, I told you for the last 10 years, Trump was the enemy. Trump is evil. He did nothing good for this country. He's never been a good president. Not my president. Not my president. Remember all that, Gabe? And so. Oh, yeah. 
if if Biden was even a fraction of a success story, if he was if he had one notch on his belt to give his administration a win, they would take that and run with it and say we were we were right all this time. We've been Trump. We've been hating him for the right reasons, but they don't have that, Gabe. They don't have any successes. They, they've, they've been trying to find any little grain of success that they could. It's like, hey, look, inflation is down this month. Remember, remember, you know, yeah. every time some little tiny smidgen of economic news hinted at the possibility of of a, of a, a full blown recovery, something that, that people should be positive about. And they take it and they run with it. It's like, see, Bidenomics is working. They're trying to lean into the term even. Uh, but then, of course, you know, things will get adjusted. Uh, we we would come to learn that, that, OK, well, it wasn't so bad or or the uh, the inflation rate would increase again the next month uh, stuff like that so they, they get really quiet about all those l's but they keep you know trying to tout these tiny little w's that aren't quite w's um and uh like you said if they had any legitimate positive wins in any category those would those would be uh lifted up as as evidence of uh, the fact that they were right about trump and that biden of course could do a better job so now you still see um the true believers on places like twitter and social media yes uh is continuing to, I mean, not not only uh, you know gaslight us about you know the current realities, but but even tout it as as positive. Everything is positive. This best president ever you mm-hmm. see on these stuff, and I, and I get I get to thinking like, are these Chinese bots or something? Because there's no be. way that somebody can look around the world as it is, as it stands in comparison to you know uh, four years ago and say. Oh yeah, we're we're in such a much better place now with you know the international crisis after international crisis and uh, economic uh, downturns hitting everybody. You you can't you can't really look at reality and come to that conclusion. So um, I don't. So so the the big question then is how many of the TDS people are really going to stick to the TDS and how many are are just so. Um, uh, quieted by the reality of the situation, that maybe they're just gonna they're just gonna, <laughs> you know, uh, hold, keep their powder dry until November. So the the rest of this article, and I love that you bring that up, says President Joe Biden is attempting to rally the anti-Trump vote by portraying the former president as the existential crisis and the threat to democracy. But the message is struggling to fuel Democrats thus far. This is according to the New York Times again, and of course it's. Of course, it's not linking. Of course, the message isn't isn't getting to the people and they're not they're not listening to Joe Biden because, again, there's what in what way, Gabe, do people that are Democrats in what way are they motivated by him as an individual? I mean, it was one thing when we could reflect, as the beginning of this article said, it was one thing to reflect back on 2020 and say people had Trump fatigue. Of course, there were people suffering heavily from Trump derangement syndrome. Of course, people had wanted they mean they made their own campaigns trying to get Trump out of office. So in 2020, there was there was a battle and and Joe Biden kind of looked like he had a little bit of the upper hand and not because he was going he was a good person a good senator a, a good vice president just because people had all of those things that they were voting yeah. on and they were voting on because they wanted Joe Biden and not Trump that was solely the reason but now when we reflect and we look ahead to 2024 Biden doesn't have any of those goodies in his basket Biden doesn't have the Trump derangement syndrome uh, 
those people anymore. I don't think he has any. He's rallying the anti-Trump people anymore. And he certainly doesn't have the upper hand when it comes to, as we just said, the successes. So what is he doing to motivate any of these people? I'm not sure that they they have any plan besides, you know, trying to gaslight us like they have been. Um, And of course, given their situation, I'm not sure there is a plan other than what they're trying to do. Um, One of the things that that, uh, he had as an advantage in 2020 was that, I mean, first of all, there was the pandemic and everybody kind of blaming Trump for killing people. He had the basement. Yeah, yeah. He had the he had the basement campaign right, so he was like, I, I want everybody to be safe, so don't come to my rally. So so you know, and, and all these other things. Uh, so there was quite a bit of, of media that was uh, uh, doing. I mean, they're, they, as they always do, doing his dirty work there. Mm-hmm. But I think you know the the pandemic itself was a big uh, uh, drain on the successes that Trump had had made in the previous three years, um, and then. People, because of their fatigue, because of their, uh, that they were tired of, of um, dealing with Trump and, and uh, the way the media portrayed Trump, you know, I'll, I'll add that little caveat, um, that they, they looked at Biden as a hope. They, they were voting for yes. the hope yes. of a Biden presidency. And that was hyped up to uh, levels that were, uh, you know, unforeseen, you know, given Biden's track record. I mean, granted, he was in government for a long time, but he had basically nothing positive <laughs> to, to point to in terms of, uh, of of his record, except that he's been in government for a long while. And he and he loves his son, I guess. I mean, that's yeah. pretty much all they had and that he's not Trump. And and people were content to just say, well, at least he's not Trump. That was kind of yes. the mantra I imagine that was in a lot of people's heads. Now, um, we're coming basically to the same, um, because it's a repeat election, he's going to be a repeat election. Uh, we're coming to the same um, uh, situation here. Uh, are the people going to going to go to the ballot and say, at least he's not Trump? And will that ring true enough to overcome the reality of what he actually is? Mm-hmm. Because now we've seen it. Now it's not just a hope. It's not just a pie in the sky. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's got to be better than this because we've seen <laughs> how crappy his leadership is. So, you know, how do, how do you square that circle? I don't know. Um, the independent voters are the ones who are going to turn this election. And I just hope the Republicans have the wherewithal to get the message out to them properly so that they have a reason to vote for Trump and, and not and not just, uh, uh, you know, rely on their, their fifis at the time. So it's interesting that you brought this up because the other part of this ticket, the other side of this coin is Kamala Harris. And Charlemagne the God, who is, uh, I mean, he calls himself an independent, but I do not think that that is what he is. Um, he Almost made some independence actually a Democrat. Right. I'm like, yeah, you're an independent. All right. Mm-hmm. Name one Republican, anything you've ever voted on. And then we'll see. So Charlemagne the God had some interesting comments about Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. He says this on last Sunday, whenever he was speaking to, I believe uh, this week with Jonathan Carl, he says Joe Biden was an uninspiring candidate and that Democrats should learn more and lean more on Vice President Kamala Harris for the upcoming election. He continues with this. Charlemagne the God, who was on the political left, this is from the Daily Wire, took numerous shots at Republicans throughout the discussion, saying that the crooks are the Republicans and that former President Trump, of course, was the threat to democracy. When asked why Biden's messaging was not resonating with voters, Charlemagne said the president was just 
uninspiring and that there's nothing about Joe Biden that makes you want to listen to him. He continues, that's why we should lean heavily on Vice President Kamala Harris, who is way more charismatic than him. He should be leaning on other surrogates, too, like Governor Gavin Newsom. He continued and said Biden should be the bright. This is this is crazy. But he says this, Gabe, Biden should be the brains of the operation behind the scenes because he has no main character energy at all. What what are your thoughts on him saying (laughs) they need to lean heavily on Kamala Harris and allow Biden to be the brains of the operations behind the scenes in order to win in 2024? The delusion is strong with this one. Yes, yes, sir. Um, I, I am, I am so confused by that entire analysis. First of all, you'd you'd have to accept that you know the the brains behind the operation is not suffering through dementia and Alzheimer's at this point. And I don't think anybody anybody with you know with uh, uh, you know functioning eyeballs and ear holes can really relate to to that idea that 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 Biden is the he's not even the brain of his current administration no um you know he is he is he is the uh the 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 skin puppet for the um uh uh uh, barack obama administration 3.0 that's that's what he is actually um and then of course the idea that kamala harris is your great hope to, to come forward because she's so charismatic i I don't know what counts as charismatic in his world, but but you know, talking down to to people as though they're three years old and repeating words because you can't think of how to string a sentence together otherwise is not charismatic in my book. So the last question before we gotta go, what is your opinion on what happens to this ticket what happens for the democrats in 2024 if you have people like charlemagne the god saying we need to rely on kamala harris and allow biden to kind of take the back burner um is that a possibility or are they struggling hard gabe is this a very telling sign for the democrats this year in 2024 well, the the one consistent thing that comes out of Charlemagne's comments, and I think is echoed in a number of other places, is the idea that Joe Biden is not giving the vibes that you would need for the main guy on the ticket. Mm-hmm. Um, they they've been, I, and I've been talking about this for a little while now. That they that as they approach the uh, the the election coming up here, the, you know, they, they're keeping their two tracks open uh, of possibilities. Either they're going to circle the wagons and protect them and and run a a a, uh, a basement campaign, attempt to run a successful basement campaign like they did in 2020, or they're going to try to quietly put grandpa away out the pasture mm-hmm. and, and get, give him a nice, uh, solid send off before ushering in a, some new blood. I, and I, I do not think uh, Kamala Harris uh, is part of that equation. I think they, they basically buy her off with, with a cushy appointment, maybe as the uh, ambassador to Barbados or something like yeah. that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and they just kind of he's like, we'll, we'll give you a, a boatload of cash and make you an ambassador of someplace nice. Um, so th- I imagine that that's how she she go, you know, her exit. His exit is going to be something like uh, uh, if they choose this path anyway, um, you know, well, he's for health reasons or he wants to spend time with his grandkids or something like that. You know, he, he thinks he's done with the service. It's time for a new generation, whatever. Um, he, and and they'll they'll give him a good send off, and then they'll bring up somebody like a uh, um, uh, um, um, governor of California, um, mm-hmm. Gavin Newsom, mm-hmm. Newsom, yeah, or or even 
I've seen some uh, ovations by Governor Pritzker next door that he might want to throw his weight around, as they might say, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. and and jump in. Because I think in his last State of the State address, he even took some swipes at California uh, in the middle of his uh, comments about, you know, national crisis things during his State of the State uh, address. Um, So it, it seems as though people are positioning themselves right now to 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 jump in there so we'll 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 see where it goes it seems to be leaning heavier uh in the uh in the direction of biden getting out of the race you know i know that conservatives and i know the republican party have their own set of issues and there have been many issues that have risen to the surface and we've seen that have been very messy but there is two things that are certainly going on with this democrat party they have no identity They have no idea who Mm -hmm. they are. And the second thing is they have nothing that is motivating them and no one to lead in any kind of motivation whatsoever. They're scrambling. They are frantic. And if you and if look no further than the top Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, there is no communication happening between those two people, Gabe. And if the Republicans and the conservatives can get it together and understand what kind of win they can have this year and if they can just get it together and get the messaging right and not step over each other and allow the Democrats to kind of eat each other, there could be a huge victory on our hands. And I hope that that happens. I'm not sure if conservatives can do it, but I'm hoping that they can step out of the way and just let the Democrats put the foot in the mouth. Yeah, one one thing that uh, Democrats do so well with their messaging is they present a generally united front yes. uh, to everybody and it makes them seem like they're they're solid all the time but the thing is there are a lot of chinks in that armor in that you know you've got the the far left trying to turn the head of the democrat party um you have you have the the middle lane sort of uh of politicians that are just kind of going along to get along right now because the the, the noisiest barrels are making the most noise um or the uh, the emptiest barrels are making the most noise in their party um you have you have the split over uh what their policy should be be with israel and hamas i think yes. that uh could impact a lot of things behind the scenes yes um and they don't have a bench they have no. They don't have any go-to stars. When you when you think about the Republican Party, there are any number of individuals that, if you just brought them out of the woodwork and said, "Hey, would this uh, uh, gal or guy make a good X, Y, or Z?" and we say, "Yeah," you know, it's like there's you can you can pull a whole bunch of numbers out of the hat. People are talking about the various vice presidential uh, uh, hopefuls, right, for the the, the Trump administration, and. Um, and we're we're looking at all these people like, hey, they that person actually could be president. That's actually a pretty solid conservative. That person it seems to be a rising star. We have all those things on our side, and they have none. Like, t- try and think of somebody who who would make a good anything, right? <laughs> or, right. Or who seems as though they have the juice to do it, even. It's um, nuts, and and it doesn't seem like nobody's there. Nobody's there. So uh, we need to take advantage of this situation. They they are fronting as though they are a solid, uh, you know, you know, block of, of of people that they are actually in true contention. But I don't think they actually have it, um, and they're just, they're just putting on a front right now. We just need to make sure that the the uh, the independents know that because the, the media is on their side and they're they're helping them present the facade of their strength. Totally agree, Gabe. Thank you so much for hanging out with me this Friday. I appreciate your time. Go enjoy your. Week- weekend with that beautiful wife and you guys have a good one okay 
Thanks, Katie. God bless. Thanks, Gabe. And thank you all for being here and for interacting with me on our live streams. I greatly appreciate your comments. I greatly appreciate those ears that are listening or those eyes that are watching. Coming up next is Steve Templeton. He will give us the weekend weather forecast. You are listening to Colombo and Katie on 1019-941 News Talk STL. For podcasts, articles, and more, find us on NewstalkSTL.com. Welcome back to Colombo and Katie on 1019-941 News Talk STL. I am so happy to be joined by Steve Templeton, Chief Meteorologist at KMOV. Thank you so much, Steve, for being with me on this Friday. You are someone we look forward to speaking with every single week because I think you have the most important information for us all. And that is what are we going to be able to do this weekend? Anything outside or maybe not outside? It is all up to this forecast by Steve. So thank you so much for being on with us every single Friday. Yeah, my pleasure. The all-important weekend forecast. Yes, sir. We do have you know some things to try to plan around here. Uh, okay. But I'll tell you right now, there's no storms. So, oh, so nice. that's the good news. Uh, tons of sunshine. It's all about the temperatures. You know, I, I have two kids, and, and the thought is, okay, well, during Saturday, we'll try to do something indoors because it's going to be chilly. Not bad, but chilly. Sunday is going to be warmer. Let's try to do something outdoors. So that, that's the big picture here. So here's how it goes temperature-wise. We go down to a low of 34 tomorrow morning, mostly sunny skies. Now, this is going to be a chilly day compared to what we've been used to, but it's actually the normal high, 49. Not bad. Sunshine, 49. We've just been getting used to 60s and 70s, and that, that comes to an end for one day. Saturday's our chilly day. Sunday, we resume this warming trend, the spring-like weather. It starts off cold, 38 for the low, but then in the afternoon with mostly sunny skies. Like I said, try to get outside and do something outdoors for Sunday. Looks like a nice weekend coming our way. Beautiful. I am so excited, Steve, because you're right. These these 60 degree, and then I guess Wednesday, isn't that when we reached 70? Oh, we touched low 70s already. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And we may get 80 next week. Kate. Oh my, are you kidding me? That is incredible. Tuesday next week, my forecast is 80. The record is 79. And it looks like a front is going to sweep through at some point Tuesday into Wednesday uh, with some thunderstorms. Some of those could be strong, so let's keep an eye on that. Stay tuned to the forecast for early middle part of next week, and it will get much colder quickly the latter half of next week. Not frigid, not, you know, Arctic invasion, but, I mean, it's going to be a shock. So is this, you know how Missouri, they always say, like, here's, here's spring, here's fake spring, here's, you know, summer, here's the trick of the summer, or whatever, you know, that chart that you always see in the Midwest of, right. like, we have sure. 800, are, yeah, spring, like, eight, right? fake spring, okay, that's where we are right now? <laughs> totally. Because that's what it totally. feels like. We, we were joking um, yeah, on First Alert 4 yesterday that this is so nice. It feels like baseball weather. And watch, when the Cardinals actually play here in town, mm-hmm. it'll be cold and wet oh, and miserable. Yeah. <laughs> Some point, Mother Nature might come back and get us on this. But so far, let's enjoy it while it lasts. It's funny that you bring this up, Steve, because... Whenever, so we had that snow that was last Friday, I believe. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, I didn't get to tell you this last Friday, but I was like, what, what, what are we doing with snow? Why? It shouldn't be snowing right now. I can't believe this because I forgot that we're in the middle of February because the weather's been up and down. So last Friday, when we got that snow, I was like, what? That can't be right. There's no way. Why is it snowing so much? We're past that. No, Steve. We're, in, we're still in the winter. It's still February. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and even, you know, in March, although in March, usually you get still, it's, it's kind of like what happened Friday. You can dump quickly and then boom, it's gone. But I mean, even March, it can, it can still snow pretty good. So you're right. Uh, our mentality is probably more like this is mid to late April and we have to kind of check the calendar every once in a while and get a reality check. Yes. We have been blessed, Steve. And thank you so much for being on with us this weekend, because it does outline what I'm going to be capable of doing on the weekends. If it's going to be indoor activities outdoor activities so we greatly appreciate you every single friday and the time that you give us and you enjoy yourself with your kids this weekend and i hope you guys get to do something fun together we'll do and we'll be outdoors on sunday for sure heck yeah thank you so much steve and that was steve templeton he is the chief meteorologist at kmov i wanted to sneak in a story right before we hit our break um this is a kind of heavy story everybody so bear with me it's about Indiana parents asking the Supreme Court to weigh in on a state taking custody of sex-confused teen. This is from Breitbart. The state of Indiana took a teenage boy from his Catholic parents after he started identifying as a girl. Now his parents, Jeremy and Mary Cox, have asked the Supreme Court to weigh in on their child custody case, arguing that the Indiana... Indiana Department of Child Services violated their parental rights and religious liberty when the agency investigated them for refusing to use their son's preferred pronouns and ultimately kept him from their home while he struggled with an eating disorder. If this can happen in Indiana, it can happen anywhere. Tearing a child away from loving parents because of their religious beliefs, which are shared by millions of Americans, is an outrage to the law, parental rights, and basic human decency, the vice president and senior counsel for the Beckett Fund for Religious Liberty said. If the Supreme Court doesn't take this case, how many times will this happen to other families? I bring this up, and there's so much more to this story. If you guys want to investigate and look at it, go, I, I encourage you to go to Breitbart, and I'll, I'll post this on our social medias as well. But... This case is something that's going to start happening so much more throughout the United States. And if you are a parent, and obviously, if there is abuse happening, if there is physical abuse happening, if there is mental abuse happening, there, then I do believe the state needs to step in. I do believe that there needs to be something where children are taken away. If there is abuse happening in the household, we want to protect our kids as much as possible. But this case... When we're talking about teenagers confused because they've been told in schools or maybe they've been seeing things on TikTok or they've been hearing it from their favorite celebrity talking about identification, talking about how gender is a spectrum. You know, there's a lot of people using that as a weapon. There's a lot of people using transgenderism. There's a lot of people using your sex and your gender as a weapon and lead you down a path maybe into political identity, maybe into politics. And when we see something like this, when we see parents and children stripped away from each other, just because parents will not identify their child with the child's preferred pronouns, we need to look at ourselves as a country and realize the parents are the parents and the children are the children. And Allow this child to get the help that they need. Maybe they need to go to therapy. Maybe they need to go to counseling. Maybe they need to talk to someone that aren't the parents to try to get this family back together. But when you take away that child from their parents specifically because they don't want to talk about preferred pronouns and specifically because they might not believe that sex and gender are 
you know, a spectrum. This is where as a country we need to have a conversation and say, we need to stand by parents. We need to protect parental rights. We need to have a conversation about family and how important it is. It's it's not the government's job to parent. It's not the teacher's job to parent. It's not the school district's job to parent. It's the parent's job to parent. And we need to bring that family atmosphere. We need to bring that mindset back to the United States because it is the most critical thing. It is the only thing that matters right now. I wanted to bring that to your attention. Check it out on Breitbart. I'll share it on our social media. You are listening to Colombo and Katie on 1019 941 News Talk STL.